I want to continue this morning our series on our identity in Christ. As I mentioned previously, uh, this is so important because all of us uh, care about our identity. Okay, uh, We all care about our identity so much that we begin to create our own identity. Uh, we like an identity that we put out there to our friends, family, coworkers, social media, whoever's uh, you know all out there. We care, okay? And it gets so intense that we begin to create this false identity that really isn't the best identity, and we create that identity out of some other things that aren't healthy for us. And the message of Christ for you and for us is that our identity, first and foremost, is inside of Him. And as I've shared before, is that uh, there, I believe, are four things uh, that I'm preparing my kids to face, okay? There are four things as, a, as your pastor I'm hopefully preparing you to face now and in, and in the future. There are four things that I believe that are kind of the root of uh, all the crazy things that we do, all the crazy things you see in the news, uh, all the crazy things that you've seen in your own life, <laughs> crazy things that you've seen, hard things in our lives, is these four things, shame, pain, fear, and loneliness. Now, I'm not a counselor, I'm not trained in that, uh, obviously, I love counseling, reading, and psychology, and uh, pursuing a degree in this, and, and I love all that, uh, but I'm not telling you from that perspective. As a uh, uh, student of Scripture, and my life study of Scripture, and the message of the Gospel, uh, that's what I'm speaking from. And those are four things that are biblical things that we see in the Scripture that the Gospel is an answer to. Uh, and... Emotions aren't a, a bad thing. Emotions are just emotions. It's like your skin. It just is, right? It's just what we do sometimes out of those emotions that can get us into a little bit of trouble. Those four things I've been talking about, because I believe it's our identity in Christ that is the response to that and what he wants to do to heal uh, things in our life that are coming from those four things. So the first sermon we talked about in this series uh, was shame and how our identity in Christ uh, is all about how we are his son or daughter. You're his child. And whose you are determines, first and foremost, who you are. And so the identity there is that you are his child. You are righteous. You are good. Not because you, what you've done or haven't done. Uh, and this is so contrary to the way our flesh is, the way the world is. Do more, get more. You know, you do more, you do right, and then you get affirmation and praise. But in Christ... As his child, because of that, because of him, <laughs> you're good and you are righteous. So that's the first piece of your identity is that you're righteous. Um, Brene Brown talks about shame as this master emotion that makes us feel uh, that we are just guilty and not, not worth anything. And it's this fear of not being good enough, not being enough. And I want to tell you, and I hope you heard that, you can go back and listen to that sermon again, uh, that whose you are matters, and you are righteous in Christ. Secondly, I talked about pain. We all feel pain. Uh, and the identity there in Christ is that um, although you may be hurting and it feels like you are suffocating, that you are going to die, whatever the pain may be, in Christ, in Jesus, you are alive. You're healed, whatever word you want to use. So I proclaim over my life, I'm healed and I'm alive. 
I've proclaimed that for the 20 years plus years I followed Jesus. In my worst moments and my best moments, I proclaim that I'm healed, I am alive. This is too much for me, but I am alive in Christ. Meaning, okay, that there is no pain, no bad thing that's going to happen to me that's going to be too much for God. Too much for me, yes, but not too much for God. And it's in Him that truly we are alive, that we are healed. The third one, um, fear. Fear affects all of us. You know, nobody lines up and says, okay, let's all talk about what we're scared of. Let's talk about our deepest, darkest fears, right? Uh, but fear is a powerful force in our lives. And, and Jesus says this, is that we don't have to be afraid. Uh, but we are afraid, right? There's that both and that happens. And I talked about this uh, last week, how uh, our identity in Christ is not that we're not scared. Like that's, that's not the identity. The identity in Christ is that we're free. We're free from the chain that fear creates. The fight, fight, or freeze response is the body's, body's response to this intense, crazy thing that could happen or potentially could happen. Uh, that happens from our childhood all through now is that we respond, our bodies respond. And Pastor Esther's been sharing about that. The body keeps score, right? The body tells us these things. Uh, well, the problem with that is that not necessarily the fear itself, it's just the idea of what could happen. And so really the problem is, is the chain. We're so tied to it that we're afraid to make a choice or to make the right choice or to do something different or to take a risk, right? Uh, whether it's relationally, we don't want to take risks because we're scared. Whether it's in your job, uh, uh, if you're trying to obey God and do what's hard and it's going to be, you're scared of what's going to happen, the rejection, whatever it may happen, it's the chain. And in Jesus, we are free. Okay? You're his child, so you are good. You are righteous. You are alive. You're healed. No matter how much pain you're feeling, you're healed. You're alive. And you're free, no matter how devastating the feeling of fear could be. And today I want to talk about the uh, uh, impact of loneliness on our lives. You can use the word isolation or feeling alone, disconnected. That is a powerful force in our lives. And I want to talk about how our identity in Christ uh, responds to that. The identity in Christ today I want to talk about is that you are connected in Christ. I wanted to say I am not alone, but that's too negative. I want to say a positive way of saying that is I'm connected. I'm not alone. I'm connected. I'm in relationship. I'm connected to God. And this identity through the work of Jesus can help you as you face the inevitability of loneliness and, and isolation in your life. Let's talk about loneliness for a second. You know, kind of hard to define loneliness. Maybe you're in a family. How can you be, feel alone in a family? Uh, maybe you've been in a crowd. Maybe you've been at church in a crowd and you feel lonely. How is that possible, right? You feel lonely at this massive gathering that we had, you know, before COVID. Or you, especially now during COVID, we feel alone. Uh, lo loneliness essentially is uh, feeling like no one knows you, understands you, feeling like you are alone and isolated, nobody's with you, Okay. Uh, I like to say it, the feeling of alone or aloneness is essentially when even though there's people around you, there's nobody there for you. That's a good way of like describing it. Okay, there's people around me. I work with people. I have a big family. You know, you're, you're in a big crowd, whatever, church, whatever, but, but nobody's there for you. And it's that concept that then becomes this negative thing in our minds to, 
we start kind of fulfilling that prophecy in a way of like, yeah, nobody knows me and nobody will ever know me kind of things. And that, that, and that starts happening. I want you to think about this past year um, in feeling disconnected. Uh, think about the holidays that you didn't get to have, you know, grandma and grandpa come over kind of thing. Uh, not being able to connect with people. And so even though we've got Zoom, which their stock has gone through the roof last year, right? Aren't you still lonely? Don't you yet still feel unheard and not understood? And you maybe feel like you're walking whatever it is you're walking alone? See, that's what happens is that uh, the concept of isolation isn't just being able to see somebody. It isn't just having people around. It's having somebody there for you. And this is a real problem in our lives, and it's a real problem in all people's lives. It's not just as believers we kind of face this, is uh, that feeling of isolation. I want to turn to Scripture this morning, and I've kind of been reading from the uh, creation story a lot because it's kind of our origin story and kind of give us some insight on how we are created. Uh, a couple of verses here from Genesis chapter 2, verses, uh, I'm going to read 17, sorry, I'm going to read verse 15, 16, 17, and 18. So Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Uh, verse 18. And then the Lord God said this, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. What I want you to get from that, kind of those couple of verses there, is this first truth that I want you to think about as far as your identity in Christ and in God. Uh, first and foremost, that you were created in relationship. Not just for relationship. You were created in relationship, okay? Just like when you were in your mother's womb, you were created in relationship okay you were created to be in relationship first with god you were also created to be in relationship with another person now don't run wild with verse 18 about marriage and all those kind of things this is not a first the, the verse there first isn't about marriage okay that's you can maybe argue we proof text about that marriage but that's another another conversation that verse is about the concept that you were made first and foremost in relationship with God and you were made in relationship with somebody else. We have very, very little life of Adam without Eve, right? And it's that connection and that relationship that is the foundation of what God creates for family and really uh, tribe and system and bigger society and community culture. You were created in relationship and with God and with others. That is the starting point. That's the foundation. That's the starting point. Okay. Uh, we also recognize you may have uh, uh, read some on this concept of like even the concept of the Trinity is a relational concept. We have God the Father the Holy Spirit and Jesus' Son. You think about that. It's like there's a relationship there. And uh, so I want to elevate the concept of relationship to God and others in your life and how that is uh, and health kind of stems from there. 
secondly, we recognize that he disobeyed God. So there's this, okay, here's the parameters to relate to me. Don't eat from this tree, right? And he doesn't do it, right? We see later in Genesis 3 that there is a breaking, a breaking of that relationship. We also see that God comes to man and woman and tries to repair. Uh, there's, and then we see through scripture that God's working on reconciling that relationship and ultimately in Jesus that happens. But here's what I want you to, to grasp here. Before sin happened, relationship happened. Before sin happened, relationship happened, right? Relationship was ruined and wrecked by sin. That then began to affect our relationship with God and with other people. So I'm going to say something that Pastor Esther can uh, correct me on later, okay? This is from a theological perspective, okay? I actually believe that um, there is a lie somehow involved in every human conflict, okay? Brene Brown talks about this really great idea of uh, the story we tell, the story we tell ourselves. And it's kind of like, you know, we have this version of truth, right? We have this story that we tell ourselves that this person doesn't like me. This person was thinking this when they did this to me. And then and we kind of create this whole story we tell ourselves that's not even actually true. We put words in people's mouths they haven't even said yet, right? We put intent and motive behind things. It's not even there. It's not even real. Uh, it's not realistic, but we do it. We have a story we tell ourselves. And, I, and when the serpent, uh, you know, tricks Adam and Eve, there's a lie there. And then the lie comes into play, the sin comes into play, and it breaks relationships. So I'm going to put out there that sin is damaging your relationship to God, which I think we get that a lot, um, maybe probably through your Bible study. But I'm going to say also that sin is damaging your relationship to another person. And I believe there's some kind of lie there that sin is affecting, okay? I, I, you know, I get it. I, I, well, actually, I don't love to de debate, but I, I, I love to find out what is right. I love that part, you know, as, uh, as an analytical person, I love studying. But be careful, church. It's sin that's breaking your relationships. It's not who's right and wrong. We can debate right and wrong all day long. We can do it in your marriage. You can do it with your kids. Uh, you can do it in society, whatever it is. We debate this all day long, but remember, uh, sin is what breaks breaking that relationship but there is a lie that someone's believing in that that's breaking that relationship okay uh, third Jesus comes and he reconciles a relationship okay stay, stay with me here I want you to process this piece okay Jesus doesn't come and set up a kingdom it'd be so great if he kicked out the Roman ruler and he Jesus became king he'd be like the best king wouldn't he not the best boss, right? He'd finally enslave all the people that are bad, and he would let all the people that are, follow him to be in charge and make all the decisions. And Jesus doesn't do that. Uh, anybody else kind of wonder why Jesus doesn't come and just eradicate sin in that moment? Just be done, Jesus, right? See, Jesus' work wasn't to come and just eradicate the effects of sin in that moment. Uh, Jesus gave his life uh, because he was trying to reconcile a relationship. Because relationship came before sin. 
Jesus just doesn't defeat sin. It's not just defeating sin in a vacuum. He defeats sin and conquers the grave and death so that a relationship with God could happen. It's a relationship mission Jesus came with. And when he he, he did the work to reconcile you and God, that then becomes the source of life and healing for you. I think about this verse all the time. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I think we misquote that uh, in terms of like, is Jesus the only way to heaven? Uh, You know, I just, I think we miss, that's not the interpretation of that. I think what that is, is Jesus saying, a relationship with me, a person, that's life. And I am that life and I am truth. We can search all our lives for right and wrong and argue all day long. But it's a relationship that we started with, and it's a relationship that he wants for us. And it's a relationship that Jesus died to give us. And he will redeem that lie in that relationship with your child, spouse, friend, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is, coworker, whatever conflict's happening, whatever relationship problem's going on. Jesus came to redeem the lie, to redeem the brokenness so that you can have what God always wanted for you to be in relationship with him and with others in a healthy, loving way, okay? So uh, let me then talk a little bit more about loneliness. Um, Again, as a pastor, as your pastor, I wanna help prepare you to face loneliness in your life. Uh, It is, we know that, that isolation is a problem in our American culture. There are numerous studies uh, that have shown that uh, many, many, many people struggle with um, loneliness and struggle with being disconnected. Now, we have technology more than ever, uh, but we don't have deep connection more than ever. Now, your identity in Christ is you actually are not alone. You are connected. You're first and foremost known by him, and also God is at work to help you be better connected to other people in your life, okay? Uh, And there's this recent study I read that uh, kind of did this whole study, and they kind of boiled it down to most people um, have about five friends that they're able to contact regularly, like weekly or something. Uh, Beyond that, we have about 15 friends that we contact maybe monthly. Um, And then beyond that, there's about 150 friends that are in our lives that we would send a Christmas card to. Isn't that interesting? They do these studies. So just think about it for a second. How many people send a Christmas card to us last year? Don't ask me because I don't like doing that. But anyway, uh, last year, how many people you sent a Christmas card to? About 150. They said that an average wedding uh, is about 150 people. They did some more research. The average, back in the day, the average family tribe back in the day is about 150 people. Why don't you think of this concept for a second, okay? Uh, Through all of history, we're trying to figure out how to be connected. And even right now, in this disconnected world that we're in, because of COVID especially, um, we still crave this. And, you know, I have a lot of, I have thousands of Facebook friends because I'm so popular and famous and people want to know what I eat for breakfast. But for most of us, they say that uh, we have about 150 friends on social media. It's not interesting. I bring that up to tell you is that our culture and our people are craving connection. We're having a hard time with that. Uh, we can be in a crowd but not be known. And so as I you know, process kind of this information and what the real message is in our identity is I want to give you uh, three things that's going to help you uh, be better connected. 
three things that can help you. And these are three things I'm going to share with my kids one day when they get old enough on how to face loneliness in your life. Okay, these are three things I want to bring to your attention. Uh, the first thing is to admit it is happening or going to happen. Let me just say that again. It is happening or going to happen. Again, once my kids, you know, I'll probably tell them before they go to college, you know, um, it's going to be awesome, but you're going to probably feel lonely. You're going to miss me so much because I'm the best dad in the world. You're really going to miss me. No, I'm going to tell them that, you know, you're going to feel alone. And then I'm going to tell them after you graduate from college, you're going to feel alone. And then after that, you're going to be alone. You're going to feel it. You're going to, it's going to hurt. I would hope that through uh, this past year, kind of, you know, our connection, that you're in a space to admit that right now. Over your life, um, you've had some lonely times. And just because you're married doesn't mean you're not lonely. And just because you got kids doesn't mean you're not lonely. And just because you got, you know, 150 friends on Facebook doesn't mean you're not lonely, right? If you wouldn't be willing to admit that over this past year, maybe you've seen some really hard things that come up in you, it's probably because you're lonely, right? If you would admit, first and foremost, that it's going to happen. And, you know, God affirms this, right, through Scripture. He talks about over and over how, hey, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. Well, why does he do that? Because we're going to face this. It's going to happen. And if you're a parent out there, please don't tell your kids that once they get a job, uh, a, a husband or wife and 2.5 children and a white picket fence, that they're not going to feel lonely, that it's going to be fulfilling. It won't be, maybe a little bit, but ultimately uh, it, that's not the way. The way is first and foremost through God, right? And then others. Uh, so first for, first part of this is to admit it is happening or going to happen. Now, I know that we don't just sit around and say, hey, I'm going to send a group email out to my 150 friends and say I'm, I'm really lonely right now. I know nobody does that. I get it. But just the first part, just be honest yourself and God. Um, the second part about this, and this is the part that I struggle with the most uh, theologically, I think. Um, and... This is something that I've just wrestled with over the 20 years uh, of my Christian life. Here's the second part. And it's what I'm going to tell my kids too, so it's not just to you. Uh, here's the second thing. It's okay to be lonely and it really hurt. That's it. It's okay to be really lonely to not be heard or understood, to feel like on the outside, feel like nobody knows and nobody wants, wants to know, it's okay. What happens when we're in those moments turns into coping. It'll turn into, you know, that one person you know that always has a boyfriend or girlfriend, you know what I'm talking about, right? It turns into uh, coping through a physical substance to feel better. The pain is so great of isolation of not being known that we'll do these things. Okay? And that's the lie that you're believing is that it's not okay to be lonely and hurt. And I'm telling you, it's okay to be lonely and hurt because of God. And, and 2 Peter 3, 1 that I just read to you, or sorry, 2 Peter 1, 3, I just read to you, that he's given you all for life. And that he's enough in the moment when it's so 
painful that you want to go do something else to feel better. Don't feel guilty about that. We're broken, we fall, we go through, but, but, but the truth is, and what I'm trying to help you with, is that it's okay <clears throat> to be lonely and it really hurt, and then not to then gratify some desire you have or some coping mechanism to make you probably even feel worse at some point. Um, we recognize in our culture too, in lives of Christians and non-Christians alike, that um, uh, in moments of loneliness and feeling that incredible pain and feeling disconnected, we'll do things um, in related to our sexual nature as well. Whether it's look at images to make yourself feel better or some other kind of sexual gratification, uh, we do this as a coping mechanism. And the disconnection from a relationship causes us to hurt so much that we've got to do something. Don't feel guilty about that. I'm not trying to give you a list of sins or something. I'm trying to explain to you that you have another choice, another option. You know, and, I, and it's not a great option. It's going to be hurt. It's going to hurt. But it's when we allow God to be the one we can rely on, that we can sit in the space of pain we will then be introduced to a savior. We'll be introduced to a God who's enough for us in those crazy, crazy moments. Yes, I'm gonna tell my kids this, that it, it's gonna hurt, you're gonna be lonely, or you are lonely now, and I'm gonna tell them. I know it's okay actually to be lonely and be hurt and not go do something crazy and cope, but rather turn to God and say, God, I'm really lonely, this really hurts, would you be my savior? Now that sounds like a, oh, you're dating Jesus kind of thing. I know that sounds kind of cliche maybe in some ways, but if you really try to do that, it's pretty tough. And it's in those moments you will be refined and better connected. I wrote in my journal, uh, I want to say it was January or February. I think it was February 2020. In February 2020, I wrote in my journal, God is trying to detach you from the things of this world to better attach you to him. And then COVID happens in March of that year. And it just reminds me today, the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, the work of God in your life, isn't just to answer all your prayers for comfort, but the work of God in your life is to finally get you to see you don't need a thing to make yourself feel better. You need him and he will be enough for you. Here's the third thing, I promise you three things. Uh, the third thing, and maybe this is the hardest of all of them, I don't know. The third thing is to uh, ask for help, uh, to involve someone else. And this is what Pastor Esther had said earlier today when people say these awful, hurtful, uninformed, ignorant things to you when you're sharing some really hard things about your life and then they reject you essentially, right? And then you stop. I'm not telling anybody anything. I'm done. I'm just going to roll solo. I'll tell you that's not going to work, okay? But uh, here's the thing. you got to keep asking. I don't like that as much as you. I've got every reason in the world not to tell somebody, not to confide, not to ask for help. You know, I joke about sending an email out to 150 of your friends saying you're lonely, but you don't need to do 150 friends. How about one? So here's the third thing. Is to ask someone for help. Another way to say that is just to talk to someone. I didn't say go to a counselor. You know I'm all about that. But I get it. That's a jump, big jump for some people. If there's someone in your life that is a friend, that's on your 150 list or 15 list or 5 list, to just admit that. Hey, man, I'm, 
This is hard right now. I don't feel like nobody understands. See, loneliness and isolation often comes down to nobody understands your struggle. They kind of judge your struggle maybe and think it as inferior to their own struggle. Or have you ever had a conversation with someone and you're trying to share something about your life and they immediately say something about their life? Hold on, we're still on me right now, okay? Have you ever done that? I actually took a year of my life, maybe more, and I purposely, intentionally didn't talk about myself when someone was talking to me. I would do it just naturally. They talk about something going on. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I don't like this either. You know, I'm going on this thing. Or, yeah, this is hard for me. And, and I took a year, maybe more than that, and intentionally in my conversations with people, whether it was the gas station attendant, you know, or it was, um, you know, someone I'm working with or a family member, I didn't, when they're saying something, I didn't reply with something about me. Again, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm not trying to get on to you. I'm just telling you. Sometimes in those moments, uh, when you're trying to say something and it's not, you know, you're not being heard, that's when you really feel isolated. And so, yeah, it's going to happen. You're not going to get the response you like. Can we just start with that? You're not going to get the response you like. Keep trying. Just keep trying. Whether it's a different person or the same person. You've probably been in our church and you have some issues with our church and our group. Like, well, nobody understands, nobody knows, you know, they don't nobody ask. Okay, it's all true, okay, okay. But that doesn't somehow get you off the hook of needing help, of needing to keep trying. Uh, actually, it's the other way around. You, you just keep going. Uh, you know, I was reading this article and I thought about how I actually have like five close friends that know everything about me, essentially. Um, and these are friends I've had for years, and they've been like life-giving for me. I, I want to encourage you in that it's really, really hard. It's so painful to, so, to take the risk. But remember, your identity in Christ is free, right? It's not just free to go start a business. That's a crazy, risky thing. You're free to do that too, but you're free to make a relational risk. And say, hey, I just feel, don't know, I just need someone to talk to, whatever, okay? I know it's really hard to do that, but that's the third thing is to talk to someone, to admit what's going on and just, you couldn't even be asked for prayer. I've got people just text me. I, I remember it was a lonely time in my life in seminary. I don't recommend seminary for ever, anybody, okay? Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, really lonely time in my life. And I was just, frankly, so shallow in my relationships. I just didn't understand relationships very well. And I remember I had this friend that would just call me all the time. And I'm like, we're not even that good of friends. I literally had that thought. I've told him that too. So uh, just all, all the time call me. This is before texting. Just call me, call me, pray with me. I'm like, this is crazy. And 20, year later, 20 years later, we're best friends, and we both know everything about each other. Sometimes you kind of have to keep after it too. So it's not even just you reaching out. Uh, if you're hearing my voice right now, maybe you need to reach out. Be that annoying friend that keeps asking, you doing okay? Man, really need to talk? What's going on? Let me pray right now, All right? Maybe it's a, people, a few people you text every now and then. Uh, I wanna encourage you, church, this is the way. This is the way to be able to face this crazy, evil world, crazy, hard things in our hearts that we go through. I wanna close by saying this. Uh, as I've studied this and you know for the sermon early over the course of my life um i realized i just 
can summarize our identity in Christ really in one statement. That your identity in Christ is that you're loved and you're worth that love. That's theological, okay? Um, that's from my perspective. My, man, I've studied this for most of my life. Your identity in Christ is that you are loved and you're worth it. Uh, you need a relationship first with God and then with others. Uh, research shows that even in the counseling setting, it's not just what the counselor says, but it's the actual relationship with your counselor that can bring healing. And all my reading, again, this is, you know, for years I've been doing reading on this and learning better relationships and all that. You know what I found over and 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 over? It's not necessarily just having all the answers for someone, because I rarely have all the answers for someone, unless it's my kids. They know I have all the answers. Um, what the healing thing is, is a relationship. And it just makes me think when I read some of the secular work, I'm like, oh my goodness. We were created in relationship. The relationship was broken. And then God gave his son to repair the relationship. What we need is a relationship. And a relationship will be enough when I'm in the, some painful moments of my life, including shame, pain, fear, and loneliness. You are loved. My God, and you know what? You're worth it.